I can see a scenario where actually having an even more diverse job share or having a diverse job share would be an even greater way of including more voices and having different perspectives and an even richer experience potentially for that job share. Welcome to a brand new episode of Starts at the Top, our podcast about leadership, digital culture and change. I'm Zoe Ammer. And I'm Paul Thomas. Our podcast brings you interviews with leaders from the public and private and third sector who are using digital to navigate uncertainty and forge a path to the future. In this episode, we have a double header for you. We're speaking to Beth Parfit, Head of Digital at Tier Fund, and Kit Powney, Head of Digital and Digital Maturity, also at Tier Fund. Beth and Kit job share the role of Head of Digital, with Beth working four days and Kit one day a week. We were really intrigued to hear about the success that they're making of their role together and how they split projects and responsibilities between them. Our conversation took place just a couple of weeks ago and we couldn't wait to share it with you. We cover the importance of diversity, asynchronous working and the role that strong leadership has played in making their approach to work so possible and so valuable. Beth and Kip were such a joy to talk to and a real breath of fresh air. And speaking of fresh air, Paul, did you happen to catch much of the Glastonbury coverage last weekend? Yeah, I did, although I must admit that um, I replaced the the fresh air of Somerset with my sofa, a fridge filled with food and a bit and beer, um, and easy access to a clean toilet. So uh, <laughs> to my shame, I've only ever been to Glastonbury once in 1997, so long overdue another visit, but um, made the most of my licence fee and watched hours and hours of music on on the BBC, on the iPlayer uh, and online. So how about you? Did you see any of the, the coverage? No, I didn't catch it, although normally I do. So I'll definitely be catching up with it on iPlayer. And before this recording started, we were talking about how Glastonbury is in many ways already a hybrid event, even before uh, the coverage that we just saw last weekend. And you and I were reminiscing about how we've caught various uh, sets by various acts on TV uh, over the last few years. And Glastonbury's really been a, a hybrid event for quite some time now. It's just no one's actually called it that. Yeah, and I think it's that that um, as long as the BBC and Glastonbury keep up that relationship, then I'm, I'm sure it will be. And I, I think it's, it's great because there's such high demand for the tickets. Tickets for Glastonbury go really, really quickly and it can be quite tough to, to get them. And also I think for a lot of people, it's quite a commitment to go for those four days you know you have to get there on a Wednesday or Thursday so I was thinking about taking the kids take them out of school for two days which is obviously frowned upon um, and so it becomes quite difficult so being able to, to tune in um, via the the iPlayer was absolutely fantastic and and also because you can skip around from stage to stage really easily and not miss a thing whereas I remember my experience of going to Glastonbury you're looking at the, the timetable of the acts that are going to be on and trying to figure out if you can get to where you want to be to see this, the next set. So even if you're, you know, watching, I don't know, Billie Eilish or, or wanting to get to Billie Eilish at the main stage, if you're over at the, the other stage, you know, it can be quite a hike to get there. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is that sort of um, that hybrid. Um, if you think back to the episode we did about the Montreux Jazz Festival, for example, mm. it was very, very similar. Well, there are lots of online content, but, a, you know, a, an event um, that people could, could go along to. Um, and I think the BBC have even started to sort of expand that to festivals like Reading, I think, also has a bit of a of quite a big TV coverage. And I think ITV had... Um, uh, Isle of Wight but not to the extent BBC do Glastonbury. Wow and perfect for middle-aged people like us as well who definitely <laughs> prefer our sofas and the home comforts of uh, just staying at home and readily available snacks not having to trek too far. Exactly and I think we can uh, we can give you um, a curated experience um, so you can catch up with with what with, with what happened um, highlights for me, I think um, Saturday afternoon, I think it was that Heim were on. I think they are three three sisters from the US who have been around. I think it was about their seventh time playing Glastonbury, but absolutely rocked that main stage. They were really, really good. Uh, really like Wet Leg on the opening day. Um, and then um, Phoebe Bridges and Billie Eilish were, were, were really quite impressive. 
Um, I didn't see, and I haven't caught up yet with all of Kendrick Lamar's set from uh, from the Sunday night because we were watching Pet Shop Boys, who had technical difficulties but managed to make it through. Um, oh no! Really Sorry um, to hear that. Yeah, but so it, it, exactly, but it was great, and I can you know we can we can sort of catch up with that. But it did make me think that actually there's one sort of thing, and I always want to get reference to football in, but those um, Saturday afternoon three o'clock matches have have never been televised in the UK. So they televise lunchtime and evening uh, evening games and, and midweek games and things like that. But that three o'clock Saturday afternoon is held sacred. Because the understanding is that if they were to try and put that on the TV, then people wouldn't go to the stadiums. And I think it's nonsense. I think the audience that wants to go to stadiums will go to stadiums in exactly the same way as the people who want to go to Glastonbury will go to Glastonbury. But giving that alternative for people to tune in and, and watch from wherever they are just makes a lot of sense. Um, but talking of, of last Friday, um, it was a dark day as well as having Glastonbury on. Very much so. Um, a really, really difficult day for for everyone um so this is obviously a really dark day for women's rights in the u.s with the supreme court overturning Roe versus wade in fact we had many voices female and male voicing their opposition from these stages of glastonbury from phoebe bridges to billy eilish lord olivia rodrigo and kendrick Lamar, to name but a few and there were immediate calls from women like Gina Neff, Professor of Technology and Society at the University of Oxford, to delete menstrual tracking apps and data. And there's been subsequent debate about what data is being captured and shared by the technology we all use day to day. So there's a big question, isn't there, about the access that tech companies have to this data? To this data, are they going to be sharing that data? Was a question that you and I were talking about uh, before this call, and also whether women are actually going to feel safe to keep tracking that stuff, or they're going to have to do it in different ways. And how that stuff is different across different states in in, in the US as well. Um, yeah, and I think there's a there's a huge immediate issue i saw lots of debate straight away on twitter um the tech organizations themselves the companies themselves that create these apps and create these um opportunities for women to track their their data um talking about encryption and talking about being able to, to encrypt them but then the the, the knock-on effect to that is if you are prosecuted which I mean, just sounds awful doesn't it but if you are prosecuted for um, for, for having an abortion in certain states in, in the US, then they can actually seize and subpoena people, they can seize phones, they can seize technology. And in that instance, your data isn't encrypted. So I can see the, 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 the panic. Um, and the other, the, the other thing that um, I thought was worthy of mention, and I know those tracking apps exist within the Apple products that I use, obviously I've not got any cause to, to use them. But I was always under the impression, and maybe naively, that I was reasonably safe with Apple. But there was a, a statement in or a, a fact in the BBC article that we'll share in the, the, the notes. In 2021, the New York Times reported that in the first six months of 2020, Apple challenged only 4% of requests for customer data and generally complied with 80 to 85% of requests to hand over client, uh, customer data, which is incredible. So there's a real sense of Am I safe to, to to record stuff onto onto my device and onto my phone? And have we let the genie out of the bottle? And how hard is it to put that back in? Absolutely, we're all sharing so much of this data now, aren't we? Almost without thinking about it, wherever we are based. So, those of you who are listening to us in the US, and we know we do have listeners there, um, our hearts go out to you at this really awful time, and we are thinking of you. Certainly. In the BBC article as well, there's some really useful stuff on um, how you can protect your data, um, some really simple rules. So we'll share that. And actually, we should look and, and try and share some stuff that's, um, uh, I think there's a, there's another challenge around um, the amount of data that our kids are sharing um, as well, inadvertently. I think it's just shone a light back on this question. And I'm really conscious that my kids are starting to, to use uh, their devices more and make more decisions for themselves about the type of information they're sharing online so I think we'll try and uh, dig out something uh, that we can share. Super yeah do share the links with me and I'll pop in the show notes. Now for our conversation with Beth and Kit, head or heads of digital at Tear Fund. 
We are very excited to welcome not one, but two guests to start at the top today. Uh, we are very happy to welcome Beth Parfit, who's Head of Digital at Tear Fund, and Kit Powney, who's Head of Digital and Digital Maturity at Tear Fund. Uh, and they undertake their roles as a job split. And we're really, really excited to explore all that and more and how we can introduce more flexible working into senior digital roles on this episode of Stops at the Top. So welcome, Kit, and welcome, Beth. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's really good to, to be here, both of us. Um, yeah, we're really excited to be here. It's been um, an exciting opportunity to talk more about flexible working. Absolutely. And just our first conversations with both of you a few weeks ago really struck me that we don't actually see a lot of senior digital job shares across the sector. In fact, the only one that I can think of right now is um, Bex Ray Evans and Johnny Ray Evans over at, at Snook, actually. And that's not a charity, that's an, an agency. Um, so please do uh, write in with your examples, listeners, if you um, have any that we haven't yet heard about. So let's talk about the practicalities first of all. So it's a job split rather than a job share. Can you walk us through how it works and what you you both do? Sure. So, um, yeah, it's kind of evolved slightly. So I um, am in the role of head of digital. Um, I went off on maternity leave um, in 2020. And when I was coming back to work, um, wanted a bit of flexibility, didn't want to work um, five days a week. So um yeah basically said I would I wanted to come back and and do four days a week and I guess that left an opportunity there's a you know there is enough to do in the role and actually um speaking with my um line manager um at the time it was a case of well actually that's we don't want to lose some of this work by doing less so um actually looked at whether there was an opportunity to um, kind of slice a bit of of the role um and separate that off and and get that to um be its own its own sort of role or own entity um, and Kit I don't know if you want to talk a bit about how that kind of came about for you um, yeah yeah so I went um I was also in the digital team before um, I was the digital content and engagement manager uh, so looking at day-to-day running and sort of content strategy and then I shortly after Beth left also went off on maternity leave um, to have twins so that was a roller coaster in itself a great one uh, but <laughs> When I was looking at coming back to work, um, obviously the cost of childcare is very expensive. So then when you double it, um, me and my husband were like, it's just not actually possible really for me to return back to work initially is what we were thinking. Um, but yeah, I really love Tearfund. I love working for Tearfund. I really love the digital team. It's a really great place to work. Uh, so when I was talking to my manager, we were saying this role is like going to come up. Do you think it'd be something you'd be interested in applying to? Um, it's obviously working in strategy you've already been working in strategy so it could be quite a good fit and um, at that time I was thinking I could probably do a day a week and my husband could do the childcare. and um, so actually it was like really just a great a great place for me to come back to work um, it's been really encouraging and also just I feel like if more charities and organizations were open to you know flexible working even one day a week <laughs> which is a challenge at times um, I think actually we see a lot more mums returning to the workforce. You know, I think that's such a great point you've mentioned, Kit, because before we started the recording, and we'll obviously talk a bit more about this later, um, I was looking on Mother Pucker's Instagram, who um, runs the Flex Appeal campaign, and we're going to be discussing flexible working practices a bit more as we get further into the conversation. And I'm sure I saw her post something about how uh, childcare costs have gone up 44% um, over the time that uh, Tories have been in power. And what you've made me think of there, and it's such an important point we are not talking enough about in digital careers is that there are not enough senior women in tech and this is going to be a big part of of why that happens that the cost of childcare is just just extortionate isn't it yeah we uh, a lot of the nurseries around us wouldn't take our girls for less than a day and then the ones that would take them for a day it would be 180 pounds for both of them for a day which is a lot of money (laughs) so then you do have the question of like is it even worthwhile going back to work and then you obviously miss out on opportunities to progress your career learn more um, and also just have that time to develop your career and things that you love like I love working I love coming to work 
um, and it's great to be able to do that. So I think it's a real shame um, that more organisations aren't willing to have more flexible working. I think a lot of women are still quite cautious to ask their employer for things. It can feel like anything your employer is going to do is almost like a favour for you. Um, often at playgroups and stuff, I'll hear other mums talking about, oh, I don't want to have the conversation with my manager. I don't think they're going to let me. And there's just quite a lot of guilt and um, sort of fear around it, which is really sad. It's so hard, isn't it? Um, I remember my NCT group back in the day, there were quite a lot of senior women. I think there were some senior women in tech, actually, as well. And suddenly there was this whole shift in the power dynamic of people previously feeling quite empowered to suddenly, oh, my gosh, can I ask for this thing? And actually, it's it's a very reasonable thing to be asking for. It's, you know, something all employers should be providing, in my view. I definitely think there's something as well about there's a traditional view of kind of job sharing, which is maybe like is that sort of I do half the week, you do half the week and we try and work out some sort of handover or, you know, or. Yeah. And I think actually it's about coming at it from a slightly different angle of like, well, what does the role require? What does the organisation need from this sort of resource and capacity and how do we meet that? Um, And it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to look a particular way maybe but it's actually about it is about being flexible to the people that are doing that role so actually I think it's really unique that you know I'm doing four days and Kit's doing one and there are logistical challenges with that but that is that's given Kit the flexibility that she needs because you know like for those reasons financially it wouldn't necessarily be worth it but actually it's giving her a way to work you know to keep her kind of hat in the ring as it were and to 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 meet that sort of individual need you have to you know challenging your brain and not just be constantly in childland which is a hard place to be sometimes so yeah I think actually it's been really really good to sort of be on that journey and work out what that looks like at Tear Fund and, and know that we've had the support to sort of make it work in a slightly different way yeah so it sounds like so your managers were really open to that, which is really great. Yeah, I think one of the things um, I know when we had a conversation before you were asking was sort of what sort of culture um, and what can other organisations do to encourage more job splits, job shares. Um, I think for us, we've had really encouraging um, senior management and incredibly supportive. Uh, and I think also like realistic in terms of I'm working seven hours a week. That, that is quite a limited amount of time um, to open digital maturity and think about um, different areas for growth uh, but I've been given the freedom like don't go to meetings that you don't have to um, you don't have to go to all of the corporate stuff because you've got these seven hours and we really want you to focus on that um, but there's also not the pressure of like if you don't deliver these things you know we, we've given you these seven hours it's very much like an encouraging environment and anything you're doing and this is a brilliant thing because actually before there was less capacity to even focus on it and so I think anything an organization can do to actually think about the like, logistics of a job share of what what will those two people need um, in order for it to work to facilitate it what support are they going to need um, even like communication channels and stuff like Beth and I we use Slack a lot and that works really well for us um, but for other people it will be it will be different channels and how does that communication look like every week because I know one of the challenges when you work part-time isn't it it's to really time box those hours and not to end up doing stuff on the days when when you're not working effectively so so how does the comms between you work yeah so um yeah I think that's a really good point I think um actually I had a kind of before before I had a little one I, I kind of couldn't quite see how you know it just felt like would be end up being one big blur of work and 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 family life but actually you know having a demanding one not let alone not having two you are so you know have to be in the, either in the zone or out the zone and that's kind of you know so I think we've we've managed and maybe we I think we do support each other to handle to manage that well so we're like try and be quite respectful of the days that someone isn't working but also slack in a channel like that means that we can kind of dip in and out so we leave each other messages there um and you know we'll update each other on sort of big things and little things on there like just fyis or you know here's a project not sure if you've seen it um not sure if you need to do anything with this but kind of just dropping stuff all the time in there um to sort of 
basically trust that the other will receive that when they need when they you know when's relevant for them and do something with it if they need to so it, it's quite informal actually um and I think you know there's a couple of things that for us that's working really well um I think we as, as Kit said before we we kind of we'd worked together in a different capacity so being sort of part of the same team before this so I think that probably is a factor of you know there was there's a level of trust that's been built and we know each other we know each other's communication style and we kind of been able to lean on that in this situation I think if it was brand new people in a in a role maybe there'd be other challenges um but yeah I think ultimately trust and trust that we're going to keep each other informed of of the necessary things and then just kind of really solid communication um using channels like slack or you know using kind of um or just pinging each other emails and being really respectful of our sort of time boundaries as well okay I don't know if there's anything else specifically um yeah any examples you can think of um I think you communicated that brilliantly um yeah, I think there's probably one meeting that I go to, which is sort of, it's quite a new one at Tesman, and it's trying to bring all of the digital and technology um, work packages and oversight into one space as like a governance group. Um, and like it's a new meeting, we're still trying to figure out how it works. Um, and we're looking at like innovation, what does that look like at Tesman? So it's quite exciting. Um, but that is a meeting that if Beth was there as well, she would, it would also be a great benefit. But you don't work on that day. So we're trying to figure out how do I keep Beth up to date in that area as well. Um, and there is often lots of stuff that comes in the, up in that meeting, like what's our approach to innovation in a, in a digital space. That's definitely a conversation we both want to be involved in. Um, so making sure that Beth's got enough time to feed into it. And but I'm also making sure that in the meeting, whatever is happening, I'm thinking about what does this mean for the rest of the digital team um, and the different work packages that they're working on that I'm not seeing in the day-to-day because -day I'm only working on my seven hours. So there is a bit of juggling around there. Um, but yeah, I think if say like I or Beth left tomorrow and someone else was to come into the row, I think we probably have to sit down and think, like Beth said, like how whoever the new person is, like how do you communicate? Um, what do you find stressful in the workplace? Like, do you like to be communicated on Google Chat or would you prefer it by email? And, you know, really try and figure out what would be a great way of working. because um, at the moment it feels very easy and relaxed and it's working really well which is great so yeah I was just going to say isn't it it's, it's so often that those um those things so meetings are, are things that work reasonably well to fit into a, a seven hour day it's often the the asynchronicity of work and, and having to think about well what is it that I need to share and have I got the time to share that in the right channel before the end of the day so that it is picked up next week by the rest of the team? So I find Zoe, you know, Zoe as well spent most of this week writing. Um, it's that side, side of things that can can take the time and, and sort of take you away. So do you, do you find that do you find that those seven hours do often extend? How protective of you, those are you and, and how, how do you work that? I think in general. They can't really extend because um, my twins are toddlers and they're quite excited about life, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> and we're in a two-bed flat as well, so there's not much space to <laughs> up. Um, and in two, like, digital working parent, they just love laptops and things. Can't get away from them. Um, but I think as well, I've, you know, my manager's also been very encouraging of me keeping my work boundaries. Um, and that, you know, I do have little ones and that does have a tax and a cost. So, you know, please don't work into the evenings. He's yeah, he's just really encouraging in that and really mindful of it, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, but I think with any job, you have times, don't you, where you do have to put in a couple of extra hours, like ahead of like a presentation or when you just really need to dig into some work. Um, and at the moment, I'm actually working my seven hours across two mornings. So I think probably the challenge for me is I leave the house and I've just been like, wheels on the bus go round and round. And then I'm like, digital maturity, let's think strategic <laughs> thoughts. Um, so I think for me, it's more I'm trying to get into practice of coming into the office and this being my workspace. And that's it. So I can really focus. Um, but that head, head switch is an interesting place sometimes. To be honest. Most of the organisations I've worked with around digital change and transformation could do with some of the lessons being taught to them as nursery rhymes so that they actually stick and they actually do something with them. 
Um, so I think you might have a you might have a unique selling point there to, to being able to interpret some of the stuff that we all need to do better through the medium of of Ryan. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> we will. We will. I look forward to those those, those rhymes. Absolutely. Um, and it's so interesting hearing you two talk this through because uh, it feels like the default that you've got is about asynchronous communication. It's about trust as a given. It's about boundaries. And it's sort of about the personalization of the employee experience, isn't it? Because I think one of the reasons why, to be really honest with you, I moved away from working in-house organizations was because there was a sense of it's one size fits all it's you know you have to fit with us whereas feels like for both of you it's a case of these two women are really talented we need to benefit from their strengths and their expertise and their skills so let's find a way to make these these roles happen and to to get the most and from them and also to to give them a, a good experience yeah, I think there's definitely something about the organization benefiting from there being two heads looking at like hard, you know, hard things. And there's so many occasions where Kit and I are able to just kind of like that stuff between us. And, you know, actually, it feels so valuable to be able to do that at a peer level. So I think there's obviously, yeah, if you're in a in a in a digital a, a multidisciplinary digital team and you've got people at different levels, that's also great. And you can bat stuff around and have that super sort of collaborative. But there's something really unique, I think, about being able to do it with another digital sort of expert at the same level. And you know, Kit and I have really like are able to have quite kind of frank conversations about, you know, where the challenges are. And um, you know, we're lucky to have um colleagues in other roles that really endorse and like want digital kind of maturity to be a thing but it's not quite the same like the language you know with you still speak a slightly different language sometimes or um so yeah it just feels like when Kit and I are able to sort of get our heads together on something the value you know it's like yeah doubled um so I think there's definitely a um a benefit to that and one thing I would say on that though is recognizing that actually you know we are both of a very similar demographic in terms of we're both um you know uh white um females that have just returned to work after um after maternity leave very similar age we actually live in the same area um and actually i think there is i can see a scenario where actually having an even more diverse job share or having a diverse job share would be an even greater um, you know, a, a greater way of including more voices and having different perspectives and an even richer experience potentially for that job share. So I think that's something to think about as well. As like it, it may be in some ways it's easy for us to, you know, communicate and to just because we work together, we have this you know way of being able to. But yeah, I think there could be a challenge there to sort of push into more of of, of doing that and what that could look like in a more even more diverse situation. Um, so yeah thing to think about pretty good point isn't it that you have you you have somebody that you can you can sort of um if you you're not sure of the answer to something or you're working something through you've got someone there that can add an extra voice into that the amount of times that could be used in other areas of the business not just digital where there is another voice with lived experience or a completely different experience to the one that the the leader or the, the person working on the project actually has can just add that in in a small way at the end of at uh, the end of, uh, uh, of, of a busy week to have the input from somebody that really just has a completely different perspective would be massively valuable yeah definitely I mean that that is so helpful to have that built into the role isn't it um and then just coming back to your learnings from this experience is there anything which you think god if we could wave a magic wand and we could make things work even more successfully what would you like to change do you know what we were saying? Because I mean, it, it's relatively early days in that, you know, we've been doing this in, well, since, when did you come back here? January. Um, but it feels like relatively early days because actually it's the time, you know, Kit is working seven days a week. So actually that's essentially, I can't do the maths, but it's not that, that many days, um, as many as you might think it is. Um, and actually we feel really fortunate that we haven't come up against any major challenges so when reflecting about what we would do differently, 
it's hard because I think sometimes we're like well this is this it, it feels really easy and it 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 just feels I guess like all of the good stuff and none of the bad stuff um but I guess maybe yeah there are challenges around sort of uh, around there are, there are times when you know you want it'd be amazing I think for us to both be in the room at more things together like and not in the room in the virtual room and that you know and sometimes that handover means that we are spending a lot of time passing stuff on and I think actually there might be situations where we should probably you know going into them together would be really powerful and really beneficial as well but that makes you know it's hard to sort of always schedule that um yeah I don't know Kit what do you think yeah I agree I think yeah, it's been about six months and at the moment it feels like it's going really well. We've been intentional about, um, like we had a conversation, how do we want to keep each other up to date? Do we want to have a meeting each week or like, do an email? Um, and yeah, we've sort of settled on Slack because that seems to be working and then we'll do like a Google Hangouts if there's something more important or yeah, send an email or forward a document. Um, but I think it probably is more the, like say if we're doing like a team workshop or a workshop for the department, it, it does it is harder to get us both in the room but it would be great if we were both there so I think being able to facilitate that better somehow um and some of that's to do with the split of the hours I think if you're doing more of a traditional job share like Monday Tuesday Wednesday someone else Thursday Friday and um, it is easier to swap stuff around is there anything that the rest of the organization would look at you to as an as a great example of and who have adopted themselves so for example does the rest of the organization use Slack and do they do it, use it in a in a similar way to, to you in that asynchronous way? Anything that they've looked at and said, oh, do you know what? We we should be doing it exactly that way, like Beth and Kit. Oh, good question. I think maybe so the, the Slack was something we've been using as a digital team basically. It we we were sort of dabbling in it before lockdown and then when like lockdown started it was like it became the default thing like I don't know how we would how we would all kind of get by without it right now um and I think yeah actually I can see where there are teams maybe in the organization that haven't quite found that way of working and how challenging it can be versus teams that are able to you know found their channel but also it's not about I guess it's the thing of like it's not always about the channel right but it's about what it enables you to do um, and there are other things that we've sort of been able to do in that collaboration space that have, I think, really helped us. So I think one thing that we mentioned before, Zoe, when we chatted was around um, this thing where we, as soon as lockdown hit, we did a, a workshop as a team on on our user manuals, um, which was basically um, a kind of a, a point to find out from each other um, on Kind of how we like to work the times we like to work the best ways to communicate with us um things that uh that we need things that we love and just this kind of snapshot view of us as people um, and we haven't revisited it for a while i think we need to but that really something like that really kind of kick-started um a kind of a, a cultural a culture i guess in the digital team of being really like person-centered and being um kind of meeting people where they're at and you know yeah slack as a tool for us became that kind of collaborative space that kept us all in touch in a way that I think we we couldn't be without really now I'd love user manuals um for anyone who hasn't used them before do you want to say a bit more about what they involve yeah so we just we ended up running a workshop I think where we um we used mural and we um had a, a template and it was it's basically like a grid with the, the these well there were sort of nine bits in the grid so we had conditions I like to work in the times and hours I like to work the best ways to communicate with me the ways I like to receive feedback things I need things I struggle with things I love other things to know about me and a photo of me because you know why not cheeky little face doesn't go amiss so we all we all created these um user manuals and um then in a workshop and then shared them with each other and it was meant to be this kind of reference point of just you know and, and just checking in and saying what what works for me individually what doesn't and I think you know the crucial thing is coming back to that and knowing that actually that can change for people really regularly and I'm sure if we we come back to that now I mean things would look really different for Kit and I because we've had children so though like mine would be entirely different um 
but yeah, I think maybe, you know, the tool, it's a tool, isn't it? It's a way to facilitate a conversation that at the time was a really important conversation to have. And maybe we'd come at it differently now. But um, yeah, a really good tool if you just want to sort of sense check, I guess, where people are at and what's working for them and what isn't. I really like that idea. And I really like the idea because we're all sort of video based of you getting it printed up on T-shirts. So the, <laughs> your picture is automatically there and then everything is underneath. So if people aren't sure, it's like, don't talk to me unless I've got a cup of coffee in my hand in the morning. Don't bother. That's really good. I really like that idea. And actually, it's a really nice technique for onboarding new people as well. Definitely. Yeah, I think that I think we had new people at the time. So it was and yeah, you know, I, I think it's doing that every time someone else starts as a sort of check in with everyone. It's just like a quick fire way to get to know someone, isn't it? Um, to know what makes them tick and what they love to do. Yeah. But also also just show some of your culture straight away off the bat. I think so many people sort of doing organisations having seen a job advert or the website or social media or knowing somebody that works there but when you arrive day one and are asked to sort of how do you want to work it just just really opens up a, a brand new conversation especially after the last couple of years where we're all struggling to find our our feet and find our way back into the workplace it's a really neat idea I'd be really keen to obviously we're going to have lots of listeners hopefully that are listening to this conversation and are sitting there thinking well how could we approach this so do you have any advice for leaders or other teams and other organisations that are, are looking, not job sharing, but job splits? And might, um, might, you, know, might, you might get a lot of phone calls from people that are saying, can we have a chat with you both? Uh, obviously not on a, on a work, only on a working day, but uh, lots, of, <laughs> lots of phone calls from people saying, how can we adopt this and what can we do to get stuck in ourselves? I think one of the things is probably wider organisational culture. Um, I think Tiffin in general has always had quite a flexible approach to work. And then I think the pandemic has just sort of accelerated that as it has for so many organisations and charities. Um, and I think that that culture of we actually acknowledge that you have a life outside of work and we want to really value you as a worker. Um, but also that there are things outside of work that are also important and need time. Um, I think that makes these situations and these conversations much easier but also that um it was what you were saying Zoe about that sort of personalization of the work and of your role um so the user manual is a great way to like understand someone and how you can help them like say if you're managing them how you can like help get the best of them out in their role how you can help give them feedback so they can improve in a way that they're gonna that really appreciate so I think it's thinking all about um how is your culture going to really embrace this change because you could put a job shit oh. <laughs> I let it that out don't worry <laughs> or keep it in because that's probably what it feels like in some organizations I was gonna say that might be what it's called <laughs> <laughs> amazing love it it could have been worse right it could have been worse, been so worse. <laughs> I blame that on you like parent brain um, I actually rocked up and realised, I looked down and there's like a stain on my top as well. And I was like, oh, classic, like, parent going to work. Anyway. Oh, I, I have that all the time, honestly. And my kids are ancient. So, you know, it just happens once you have children. There's just, there's just Weetabix everywhere. True. Well, what I was saying <laughs> was I think some organisations, if you put in a job split or a job share without really thinking about how the rest of the team or the rest of the department are going to engage with it, um, and they're not really being an understanding of what it means. I think it's probably going to create more challenges and potentially a lot of like, duplication of conversations or expectations of different people that aren't actually their roles. So I think it's thinking about your culture and how are you, how is your culture really going to create a role, um, a space that supports these roles? I think that's a really good point because I think actually it it hasn't really battered many people's up. Like people haven't paid that much attention to us doing this in quite a nice way it's not like doesn't feel like there's this big shining light on us of like oh they're doing this novel thing where you know like it and and, and even the team like I think I guess because we have got maybe the split element of it being quite distinct makes it quite easy like for people to know they come to me for this and actually, in more cases, they come to me because I'm working more hours. And actually, Kit's role is this sort of, you know, more protected time that where I guess, yeah, people know, you know, your time's limited. So I think 
it, it just helps that there's yeah the, the perception of it isn't it, it, it's quite relaxed we're quite able to just crack on um and and yeah like it said the flexible nature of wider so there's other people that have you know have got variations on flexible working um mean that it isn't it isn't a huge deal and it, it just works for the context that we're in um so I guess that's going to be different depending on where, what the existing culture is in the organization um but I guess just testing it and you know I think I guess the challenge could be if it goes wrong then you know you may it, it could go badly wrong in terms of if the communication there isn't if the trust isn't there um but I think you have to trust that it it, it will be easy it will be good um and yeah, I think like we've said, we've had really a really positive experience. Um, so can only speak positively of it um, at this stage and hopefully in the future. Um, I had a conversation online the other day about um, uh, about whether we should talk about, uh, was it employee engagement or employee alignment? And I really didn't like the term alignment because it just felt like, you know, getting in line behind something, which just feels a little bit weird. But that whole engagement piece is so hard to get right in organisations um, and mostly because people are um, finding actually doing the job across five days in a week is challenging because there's too much dead time, dead space and, and things. I've seen people in organisations who literally sort of moving a pen from one side of the desk to the other is what they do. But you're forced in this way to, to really sort of knuckle down on the issue on the job at hand and really make it work for you in the time that you actually have to to do it maybe that's a, a, a bit of a different stance and maybe that's a, a reflection of not just the the culture but also the ability of the organization to flex in the way that this new sort of work environment is is allowing us to do yeah definitely so I think that takes us on really nicely to uh in, inclusion actually and also you know, you both started from, you know, sort of in, in the wake of returning to work as well. Um, so it'd be great to hear a, a bit of, about that. I know before the call started, we were talking about where there's perhaps some room for uh, improvement in this in, in the charity sector. So what kind of support did you both get when you were ret- returning to work? And are there things that other charities could learn from? Yeah, one thing that um, Tier Funds do is um, a parent buddy scheme, um, which I have benefited from. So um, basically just putting parents in touch with other parents and offering, extending a sort of warm welcome back and just checking in on, you know, how that juggle is going, um, which I think is a really nice and simple thing to be able to do. Um, so that's been great. Um, yeah, in terms of... Um, I mean, as Kit said, we've got a very supportive line manager who who sat me down very early on and said, you know, your life's very different now, work and 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 family. And he, he's a he's a, a a dad of two, so having that shared experience, you know, is helpful. Saying actually, sometimes there's going to be days when the juggle is just so real and you can't give, you know, a hundred percent. And that's okay because you will give 100% the next day. So I think just that it was such an empowering conversation for me coming back into work of just gave me, you know, just made me realise that like, I actually felt like I joined the secret parent club where like we all were suddenly like, oh yeah, I know what it's like. The juggle's real and you just do what you've got to do. And I was like, wow, this is a good place to be because yeah, I guess there's empathy for one another. Like, you know, we everyone knows how hard it can be at times um so I, and yeah I guess that's you know the parent club is a, a, a big one but actually I guess seeing that it within other um where there are other people that need other flex you know flexibility for whatever reason just having that empathy and that support from from your line manager or from your employer is such a huge deal and means you can be present then when you you know when you do turn up to work because you can just be real about what's going on for you um, so yeah, I've been super grateful for that, um, that feeling and that culture. What about you, Kit? What was your experience like? Yeah, I would agree. I think it's just been really supportive. And even um, sort of when I was on maternity leave and having keep in touch days, and it's sort of been like, have you had any thoughts about coming back? Like, if you don't want to talk about it right now, that's fine. Like, we're here to have the conversation if and when you want to. It was all very... Um, encouraging and welcoming and but also just very like 
open and honest conversations. Like I felt like I could say how I was feeling rather than sort of say something and hope it came across in the right way. You know, it didn't feel like re- it didn't feel like really hard conversations. It was just really simple and like this is what I want to do and how does that work for Tear Fund and you know then figuring out what options there were and yeah it was just a, a really positive experience in that way and then I think as well other colleagues as well getting in touch with being like how are you feeling about coming back to work and um, different things like that I think as well there's you know you have imposter syndrome when you whenever you start sort of a new job mm-hmm. and then I think there's also like a mum version um <laughs> Or a dad version, if you've had paternity leave, you return to work and you feel like this new person and you're sort of like, how do I do my job again? And, you know, there's there's that. So I think as well, a lot of charities and organisations can think about how do they help um, people find that confidence again? Because most people, you know, leave the workforce feeling, yeah, like, yeah, I'm doing a really good job and I'm going off to have my baby and it's going to be great. And you sort of come back and you're like, oh, I feel a bit all over the place and hormonal and lots of things have changed and the workplace has changed and my team has changed and what's happened I don't know like there's a lot there so I actually did a little bit of um prep before coming back to work like sort of reading books listening to podcasts to try and get my head back into the space um I know not everyone find that helpful but um, I found that helpful to be a little bit more encouraged returning maybe you could recommend a couple of we can put them in the in the show notes a couple of things that you found particularly useful I mean, I was going to add that you, you mentioned men and, and I had two weeks paternity leave with each child. Um, two weeks is very different to, to taking nine months, a year off. So you come back and you sort of get stuck back into the work. But I won't I wouldn't argue that the attitude to work, not the attitude, perhaps, but just the, the perspective, the new perspective that you have to work is something that I think I wish and probably was there from my line manager at, at the time because she was a woman and, and, and probably understood a little bit of what I was coming back to. But knowing that it was okay to, I had a sense, I think, in a couple of uh, performance reviews around the ch- time my children were young, that I wasn't progressing in the way that I wanted to necessarily. And probably because mentally I was taking a back seat to, to the role and or um, having to be that that parent in a in a very sort of male dominated environment where everyone was really working hard to sort of get to the next um, rung on the ladder, of leaving early to go to to nursery and pick my kids up uh, three days a week because my wife was was you know working, and those those sorts of things do change your relationship with work. So it's I'm I'm not comparing it at all because I think it is very very different for 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 women and men. But I do recognise when I've come across men who have just had young fam or have young families that their attitude to work might not quite match my own because my kids are older and because they're more established and they don't need me as much. I think that is such a good point. Like I've been, I was feel like my eyes were totally open to it, having like going through it and seeing how my husband, like similar experience, like how my husband sort of had to force back into work, you know, when you've just gone through, he had a month off, but it's it just been through this. And I think with COVID, that's a whole new dynamic of dads being at home with babies. Like we've got two dads um, who well, both got like six months old in our team. And, you know, we often hear baby on the call and they're there like, oh, you know, and it's just such a different dynamic of it's no longer you can't kind of where you're just, you're going to your place of work and, you know, that's work and this is home. Um, and yeah, dads are, are having, you know, they've gone through the same massive life shift um, and, and yeah, loads of, I think, loads more to be done to, to help kind of that men returning to work as well. And also two weeks is nothing, right? Like when you've just been through this and I mean, didn't your husband and Kit have two weeks off with the, oh no, slightly longer maybe with the twins, but I was, that blew my mind. Like Kit was suddenly going to have to do all this stuff on her own with two little people bonkers <laughs> yeah I think what we me and my husband have also been having conversations um around like you know future jobs he's like do I go for another job right now because actually life is so full-on outside of work like you know is that something I should be doing and before kids that wasn't even a question you know it's like yeah you go for a new job it's a new opportunity see if you get it you know it'd be great do lots of learning and um, so I think there's there is a whole other angle just to like family dynamics and working when you do have little ones that are so dependent on you. Um, and obviously the challenges change as your parenting 
children of different ages and still trying to work. It's not like it's only when you've got really little kids. But yeah, I think the working at home with newborns and babies and just even that tension of like my husband would say, you know, I'd be on a call and I'd hear them screaming and I feel like I should I feel like I'm being a bad dad because I'm not coming to get you. But I also can't leave a work call to get a baby. Although actually his colleagues were often like, bring one in and then they try and guess what <laughs> but <laughs> yeah I think there's I think there is more work there to be done as well to support dads yeah definitely so maybe something for us to look at in a in a future episode actually and I hope that more dads will come forward and talk about the uh challenges they face in this area as well and you're right I think there is absolutely value in the the new perspective that people bring when they have any time out of the workplace so whether it's uh, having a child, whether perhaps it's taking some time out for other caring responsibilities or a sabbatical. I remember really clearly when I came back to work after I had my first baby, that, that fresh perspective you have is it's a real gift, isn't it? So it's great that Tier Funded are making most of that opportunity. So I'm really, really pleased for, for, for you both. And um, we're so excited to hear about the success you're making of, of your job split. It's wonderful. It's really inspiring for the sector. So thank you so much for your time today. Uh, this has been such an interesting uh, conversation. It's really going to inspire lots of other organisations. I hope that lots of charities will take it to heart, especially at a time when it's so hard to find uh, good, skilled, digital people for senior roles, and especially because we need more women uh, in these senior roles as well, and also more people of colour and more people from diverse backgrounds. And this feels like a really good way to, to do that. So thank you so much for sharing your story today uh, and inspiring more people across the sector to think creatively about recruitment. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been great to meet both of you and chat a little bit more. Thank you, Kit, and thank you, Beth. Thank you very much. Thanks both. Thank you so much to Beth and Kit for joining us on Starts at the Top. A really lovely chat, and I wonder how many other examples will emerge of digital job sharing, how much we'll see in the future. I really hope we do see more examples, especially because we all know there's a big shortage of skills and candidates coming through for digital roles in charities right now. Uh, so I hope that their story will inspire others to go down a similar route. And in our next episode, we will also be talking about the importance of diversity and inclusivity in digital leadership. We'll be talking to Wincy Wong, Head of Services Workforce Technical Capability at NatWest. Yeah, a great pair of episodes as we begin to round out another season of the podcast. So as usual, please leave us your feedback. And if you use the podcast app where you can rate and review us, please do so. You can share your plans, your ideas or questions with us on Twitter. We're at Starts at the Top 1 and you can email us at Starts at the Top podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you in a couple of weeks.